Work-Life Balance on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. It is Money Diaries, the time when we ask someone to... uh well, spill the beans on their spending, their saving, their perhaps mistakes along the way. And delighted to be joined on the line now by Arash Dara, the group CEO at Luta Holdings from here in the UAE. It's a family-run conglomerate. The portfolio includes real estate development, construction, logistics, Islamic finance advisory, healthcare education, food products. And Arash is the youngest ever group CEO that the company has ever appointed at age 36. Arash, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Don't be nervous. Maybe a little bit. Hi, Helen. <laughs> Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So, as I said, youngest ever group CEO that the company's ever had. How are you doing things differently? Are you shaking things up a bit? <laughs> Trying to. I think, firstly, uh, I'm very lucky that the, the owners of our group are very progressive and visionary people, so that kind of helps a lot. Um, I was brought in to do, uh, I think, two things differently. Uh, the first was really to, to help them corporatize. Uh, which is basically, you know, bringing in leading practice and how multinationals do things. And obviously the trick there for me is how do you balance that with the great heritage that the group has and the family values that we have mm-hmm. whilst doing things in more of a less informal or familial manner. The second was to continue growing. Um, so contrary to many other family businesses who are there to preserve wealth, we're all about growth in smart and agile ways. And, you know, the trick there is how do you do it in an innovative and cost-effective way? I think mean, if I had to name, you know, three things that you could say or a difference between now and this time last year when I joined. Apart from a pandemic. Probably, <laughs> apart from pandemic. Things that I had a, a role <laughs> and in. A, a positive there. hand in, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd probably say, I mean, the first one would be around a high culture and accountability across our group. So everyone has a role that's clear and everyone has a voice that's there to be heard. We try to bring in a bit of a new energy, moving away from the traditional way of doing things you know, where a few people tell you how things should be done, but bringing in that belief in entrepreneurship. You know, young people have ideas, less young people have ideas, and seniors have the experience. So why not marry that all together to see how you can succeed? And in fact, you know, uh, as an offshoot of those two, it's more around relying on the collective. So I do believe in the brilliance of people, and we try to bring that out as much as we can across our group. Um, That's kind of manifested itself in a lot more diversity in our group, you know, I have a very uh, strong management team, uh, a lot of female representation across our team, and I'm very proud of the diversity that we brought in. So that's the work side, and that's working with other people's money in some way. But what about your own? I would like to go back to the young Arash, if you don't mind. What was your first job, the first time you had your own money in your pocket? Yeah, I think my first job was actually quite fun and quite odd. I was working at a private independent studio as a voiceover, so a narrator for translated TV shows and movies what? into English. Come on. <laughs> did you not have one of those really not. awful jobs like I did, like washing dishes or doing paper rounds or being you know, no. abused in a <laughs> shop? No. Come no. on. You've got well, to pay I mean, your dues. <laughs> the hours are crazy. You get maybe one or two hours and you need to be here at the studio quickly and record it. And it, it wasn't particularly easy because you have to you know, walk person's lips and try and finish your sentence before the actor's sentence mm-hmm. finish all the time. How um, Very poorly paid. And, <laughs> Good, uh, that makes me feel better <laughs> that you didn't do a favour round, at least the money was rubbish. Um, you then went on to work for McKinsey, Censure, you know, consulting, we all know, such a cutthroat industry. You know, what do you think were your biggest learnings during that time? If you could name just one, what was the big takeaway? 
Ah, good one. Um, I think for me it was more around uh, having to reinvent yourself constantly. Uh, when you're in a knowledge-based industry and there's people looking at you as a consultant to give advice and tell them the latest and greatest ways of thinking, if you're known for the same thing over a couple of years, you soon become irrelevant. So how do you continue to reinvent yourself and, Not and make what you sound incredible? Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Now, um, going back then to your youth, what do you think shaped your attitudes towards money? You know, did your parents consciously teach you how to handle it? What was the attitude like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, I came from a relatively affluent background, but my father, um, he always tried to discipline me, as most Middle Eastern fathers do in everything. When it came to money, he was quite strict. Um, I was given, you know, a set allowance, and I wasn't allowed to go over that allowance. I think what that did was probably in reverse. He always spent the allowance until the very last penny, and so I kind of treated my first decade of salaries in the same way. It's like, just spend it, because you're going to... You're going to make me confident in my own ability to make more and more money. And so what have I got to, to uh, take with me? Mm-hmm. Then it all kind of changed when uh, I had my daughter, Allegra, she's now five. And suddenly I realized, well, actually, it's not all about you and your spending habits. So she really, the, the second half of the story is all around, well, how do I make sure that she's in a, in a safe and sound position and I leave something for her? The, I've got to be honest, the first half sounds much more exciting on the spending front. What was, <laughs> what, what's been your biggest, aside from property, what's been your biggest splurge? Yeah, I've got to tell you, actually, when I, when I think about that, for me, the biggest isn't necessarily the monetary value. It's kind of the journey that you go through with something. So I'll give you an example. It goes back to Allegra, and this was a, a Barbie house that I was planning to buy for her. It didn't exist in Dubai. My wife managed to kind of purchase uh, it and said, oh, when you're in London, pick this up from this shop. So I was in London for two days of meetings last year. And in between the meetings, managed to go to the pickup point. Obviously, the code was wrong. I had to wait for an hour. I had to delay my meetings. They finally gave me the Barbie house. It was too big to carry anywhere. It's too big to put on the plane. <laughs> got, back to, got back to Dubai. I could have told you that when hours. the story started, that that's not, that's not coming back to Dubai easily. So what happened? <laughs> It wasn't wise. It ended up in the in the cockpit with the fragile goods of the plane, and obviously spent most of the weekend trying to assemble the thing. And she she kind of plays with it occasionally, but I don't think she understands the actual effort that went into that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not the monetary value, the sweat on Daddy's brow, and then the age. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep you on the line because I want to find out which material possession you would never ever sell or part with. And as ever, we'd love to get your thoughts on this too. Plus, if you're thinking of starting a business, we will be picking the brains of Arash Dash. He is the group CEO at Luta Holding LLC here in the UAE. And keep your guesses coming in. We're asking you to identify the missing word in this song. Yummy, 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 I got love in my and I feel like I'm loving you. Despite the bleep, I promise... It is, uh, it's not, it's not rude. Um, and just a quick reminder on the fitness front, Dubai Fitness Challenge is back, returning for its fourth edition, running through until the 28th of November. That's a Saturday with a mix, of course, it's 2020 of virtual and physical events. And we're all being invited to commit to a minimum 30 minutes of daily activity for 30 days. It can be literally anything. And you can find your whole virtual hub on the DFC website, which includes big range of complimentary workout programs, health 
health and fitness vlogs and recipes as well. You can register on DubaiFitnessChallenge.com to unlock some exclusive content. And while you've got your hands on your phone, download that Steppy app. Sign up to the challenge. It's Dubai Eye versus Dubai 92. I want you on our team. I want us to be getting the most steps and I want you to be winning some brilliant prizes too. The top three steppers getting some pretty great gadgets. So download the Steppy app. That's S-T-P-P-I, search and challenges and sign up for Team Dubai I would love to have you on board. Join the conversation on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. Only on Dubai I 103.8. The Dubai Fitness Challenge is back. Download the Steppy app and join Team Dubai Eye as we compete with Team Dubai 92 to see who can make the most steps. The top three members of Team Dubai Eye will also stand the chance to win some amazing prizes. We're also giving away some awesome prizes. Yes, or join Team Dubai 92. Uh, please get off our station. This is Dubai Eye, not Dubai 92. Well, uh, that was little hashtag orcs. Head to DubaiEye1038.com for all the details on how you can join Team Dubai Eye. How do you ensure a bright future for your child? Find out at the UK Boarding School Exhibition online, Friday 6th November at 11am and Saturday 7th November at 5pm. Meet heads and representatives from 21 leading boarding schools in the UK who offer quality education, stability, progression to university and excellent support for special needs. Hear from the leading expert on university fee status how to secure home fees at UK universities. Register at andersoneducation.co.uk Are you wishing you had a home with the Arabian Gulf as a backdrop? Or maybe a home with enough room for the whole family to relax and unwind? Then the Data Enrichment Project is for you. It's data like you've always known. Just enriched with spacious one, two, and three bedroom apartments, transport hubs, and much more. Move in now. Call 046-053-000. Welcome to Dubai Investments Realty, the doorstep to a world of real estate opportunities. Search through our online webpage within a trusted network and browse through pages of residential, commercial, office spaces, warehouses, and staff accommodations. But be specific because we've got choices, a lot of them. Find your space and even what your heart beats for to call home. Dubai Investment Realty, find opportunities. Join Mark Lloyd as we play the songs you selected on The Night Shift. The songs you know. Newer songs that are instant classics. And everything in between. The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. The soundtrack to your life. Weeknights from 8. Only on Dubai I 103.8. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Anantara, the Palm Dubai Resort. Treat yourself to a luxurious experience on Dubai's iconic palm at Anantara, the Palm Dubai Resort. Dubai I 103.8. It is 4.21. It's Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer, and it is Money Diaries. 
Work-Life Balance on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. Joining us on the line is Arath Dara, the group CEO of Luta Holdings. He is the youngest group CEO the company has ever appointed at age 36. And we're asking him to lift the lid on his saving, his spending, some mishaps and some advice too. So, Arash, as I said, I'd love to know your one material possession that you would never, ever sell or part with. What comes to mind? Hmm. Well, I'd say uh, my obvious answer is anything that my wife has ever bought me. Clever guy, um, yes. I, <laughs> yeah, I think the, the most specific one is probably the suit that she bought me for my graduation ceremony. Um, I'll keep that. That's lovely. Now, you, yeah. you did marry young, and that must have some kind of consequences on your finances and attitude as a couple towards money. Do you, how do you navigate that? Do you have a joint account? Do you have separate accounts? I know it's a personal question, but it is money diaries, Arash, so spill. <laughs> No, no, we have a joint account. Uh, she is the CEO at home uh, and the brains behind the operation. Toughest job in the I world. Think, uh, <laughs> I think to, uh, to answer your question, you know, when we got married, we didn't have uh, a wedding or a honeymoon. So we decided, uh, as I say, in that first stage to at least not cut back where we didn't have to. So we tried to enjoy life as much as we could with what little we had. Um, Arash, you're a big advocate of entrepreneurship, but after half past, we are going to be hearing some from young entrepreneurs here in the UAE. Do you have your own business as well on the side? I did have, um, but I don't currently. Uh, the role is such uh, with the demands uh, and what I need to put into it that I believe that you know I have to be fully committed to it. Uh, the business that I had was a freelancing consultancy business in the past, uh, but as I say right now, no. Um, I am just the group CEO of Luta Holdings. Just, I'm just the group CEO. <laughs> Stop it. But if, if a staff member came to you with an idea, for example, what, um, what kind of encouragement would you be able to offer given your expertise, both within the company and as a, an entrepreneur and businessman outside as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think on the personal side, a lot of the things that I learned uh, in my career as a consultant, you know, all around the frameworks, how to think about business questions and how to plan for it, are things that I always give advice on. Uh, what we have in the works in Luta Holding, uh, which we started internally and we're going to be offering outside, is a program called LEAK, which is the Luta Innovation and Networking Community. And basically it does exactly what you've just uh, touched on, which is if there's an idea from the inside or the outside, uh, if we like the idea and we evaluate it, then we will partner up with that entrepreneur and offer what we can, which they may not have, You know, whether it's the Luta mm-hmm. brand, whether it's being able to incubate them, give them a laptop, give them a bank account, help them out uh, and see them grow. Uh, I don't want to say it's your typical accelerator program, but it's our way of helping entrepreneurs of any age uh, and any background. I'm curious to pick your brains on this. If you had 10,000 dirhams now to start something that could potentially grow big, what would it be? What area would it be in and why? Me with my skill set or me generally? Let's just say you've got all the skills in the world, but you've got 10 grand in your pocket. Where do you think the opportunity lies? For me, it's uh, currently opportunistically, I'd buy the shares in Dettol or any healthcare company. Hand <laughs> sanitizer I think, for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I do think health will continue to be big, uh, but also, you know, areas where there's, there's food involved or, or there's e-commerce involved are definitely areas you want to be looking at. Mm-hmm. When- Preferably combine them, online food. Online food. Oh, yeah. when, when we can download food, 
that's when there'll be a very ha- happy Helen <laughs> Farmer. Um, well, they say there's uh, 3D printers now where you can start printing your own food. Oh, problematic for that, so Helen. many waistlines. <laughs> um, now, what, when it comes to starting a business during a pandemic, would there be any advice you'd give to any aspiring entrepreneurs? Yes, a couple of points. Uh, one is not mine. I read a wonderful article that I reposted on LinkedIn. Uh, it was that a startup should not be a unicorn, but rather be a camel in a pandemic. Uh, and the whole point is the camels, there, they're very good at dealing with adversity, different climates. They can go days without water. And I think if you're a startup, it's, it's much less nowadays about very quick and rapid growth, but rather how do you build something steady and solid that can survive these times? Um, there's another piece as well, which is, you know, you, you may be very passionate about your idea, but I wouldn't advise that you drop absolutely everything right now and just pursue that. It's always good to have a backup plan. Keep your current job if you can whilst you start pursuing your entrepreneurial venture until it gets to the stage where you're comfortable enough to let go of whatever you're doing and just jump straight into it. I love that. Be a camel. Very appropriate. Be a camel. Um, and lastly, Arashna, can I ask you, how would you like to retire if we do going to do a bit of a, a visual, a bit of a mood board right here on the radio, what does retirement look like to you? How old and where are you going to be? Yeah. I am a terrible person to answer that question. I'm your typical type A personality. I don't think I ever will. I'll probably be surrounded with my own businesses and just going until the very end. I am unfortunately always on uh, and not planning on sitting back with a banjo by the sun. <laughs> So I, I will keep going. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing what's in your future. It sounds like it's going to be very exciting indeed. Arash Dara, thank you so, so much for joining us on Money Diaries you, from Luta Hosing. Appreciate your honesty, your insights and your humour too.